Praise God, dear sisters, dear brothers, everyone who is here. I'm really glad that you were able to make it. Before we um, get into worship, and we will be getting into worship, I want to, to leave off one, one thought. And this isn't maybe a really spiritual thought, I, I will confess. But it, it is from the Bible. And since we are getting closer every single day to everyone who is in college and universities to that first exam, that, uh, what is it called, uh, midterms, or sometimes they have uh, like three exams before the final week, as, as you guys are drawing near to that time, and I believe this applies to, to us in a spiritual way as well, uh, Daniel chapter 1 talks about th four men. Kind of three men on one side, one guy on the other. Daniel and his three friends. Check this out. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when I read about them, I was always uh, amazed by why God chose them to give them all this wisdom, to give them all this, like, insight, right? They were, like, ten times smarter than the smartest guys in, you could say, the whole world. Because the, the empire that they were part of was basically the world. And they were gathering all the smartest people into one place. And from all those smartest people, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all were found to be ten times smarter, that's what the Bible says, than the other wise men. And I was like, I was like, fair, not fair. Like, there's just like a random decision of God to be like, hey, you're going to be really smart, Daniel. You're going to be really smart. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I guess sucks for everyone else. But if, if we read... What happened before that? It's very interesting. Two things happened before that. And both of those things required something from the uh, side of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. Something they had to do. Something they had to go through before any of this could happen. Before they could be called the wisest men. Or in the spiritual sense, the most blessed, the most spiritual men and women of all. Verse 4 of chapter 1 says... Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is telling his servants, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Really reminds me of the, of the men we have in our youth, but that's, that's a side topic, so I, I will regress. Uh, make sure they are, listen to this, well-versed, listen to this, make sure, this is before they go through three years of intensive schooling, well-versed in every branch of learning. Did you catch that? So before they were ever in the king's palace, before they ever even got the chance to be there, the prerequisite, the requirement for that was they had to be well-versed in every branch of wisdom. I don't know what that looks like, but that's like the ultimate, whatever, MCAT or what is it, PSAT, SAT test. Like you need to know everything in order to just be a candidate. Not only do they have to uh, know all the branches of learning, but they need to be gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and they should be suited to serve in the royal palace. And then train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. And there's another place, I won't read just to save us time, but there's another place in the Bible that talks about uh, before, again, these men could be called the smartest men, the best men in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. There was another sacrifice, you might say, that, that they had to go through. They had to do the Daniel's fast for a very long time. I don't know how long that was, but it could have been three years. 
because that was the amount of time that they were in Nebuchadnezzar's school. So for three years, Daniel, Shadrach, and, and, and Meshach, and Abednego, they reject the, the king's uh, good food, and they eat vegetables. Just because that was against what they believed they could do. And God blessed them for that. Listen, my, my point here, why am, I, why am I talking about this, is that God, yes, he, 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 he loves us unconditionally. He blesses us. But God's favor, God's favor, all right, in both your, your, your schooling and in your spiritual walk is in a very serious sense earned. His love, and one of the preachers I, 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 I heard not too long ago, he was talking about this, and this just came into my mind because it, it makes sense. But uh, he said that God's love is unconditional to everyone, but God's favor is not unconditional. God's blessing, in, in our words, God's blessing, right? God's anointing. Um, God's wisdom in school, it, it doesn't just like fall from heaven, although that would be really nice, and that's kind of the way uh, maybe, uh, you know, where, where we think it should happen, but that's not the way it happens. Nothing really in life, if you think about it, happens that way. No one gets good at, at preaching by doing that. No one gets good at singing by doing that. No one gets good at any kind of job, any kind of career by doing that, by just not doing anything and hoping for one day to wake up with everything. And no one, listen, nobody gets in, in, into a close, intimate relationship with God without genuine sacrifice in their life. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like Daniel saying, no to all this idol food. We're going to, if we have to, we'll eat vegetables for three years. It's, have you, has anyone tried eating vegetables for like two days? <laughs> I, I literally have not, I think, in my life went a single day by just eating vegetables. It's kind of like, like, why not just not eat anything, right? Might as well just fast. But um, it's tough. There's sacrifices. There's, there's a time that you uh, could continue sleeping or you could get up and come to youth service. And God looks at that. I, I promise you, God, he notices that. The things that no one else knows. You could, you could continue sleeping in the morning, right? Or have a longer breakfast. Or you could maybe spend a little bit more time with God in prayer reading the Bible, and God looks at that. Nobody else might know, but God looks at that, and that's, that's earning, if you may, brownie points with God, but those are the real, the most real, the most genuine, the most powerful brownie points you'll ever get. It's not like you're, you're doing something to God to, to, to please him. God, God, God is, he's, he's pleased with you as his child, as his daughter, as his son. He's pleased with you, but there are things that can make him smile, there are sacrifices that you can do, I believe, that we believers can do that can really make him smile, that can really get God's attention, that can really send God's favor into our lives. Those are sacrifices that we have to do. But those are the things that allow men like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, men like Daniel, to experience a blessing that was never experienced by anyone. Period. Like when we read Daniel, things that happened in the book of Daniel happened like nowhere else. The kinds of powerful uh, positions that Jews held in other kingdoms. The, it was the most powerful kingdom. It was the gold of this statue. And, and the Jews were on top, not just any Jews, the Jews that found favor with God, the Jews that sacrificed, the Jews that, you may say, drew near to God. And you know what God did? It's an interesting thing that God does to people that draw near to God. It will amaze you. But God 
then draws near to them. And you have communion, you have fellowship, and you have perfect love, perfect peace. You have perfect unity. And so, as we, as we stand up, let's worship our God. And let's worship our God with one thing on our minds. If, if it means that you really have to sacrifice something, go for it. But try to, try to uh, in this time, put everything in your, in your mind, everything in your thoughts to the side. And come to God and say, Lord, maybe there is something in my life that I am withholding from you, something that I do need to sacrifice. Show it to me so that I may sacrifice if it's keeping me from having a good relationship with you, from growing in my relationship with you. Do that right now in this prayer, and I believe God will hear you, and God will answer you. Um, How's it going for you guys? It's good. It's nice seeing you all. Everybody's so young. Like when you realize you still look young, but you're old. <laughs> um, so, so um, I was driving the other day from work, uh, from church, and I was. This sometimes you have those moments when you notice something unusual. It might be usual, but it's usually like unusually unusual for you. So I'm driving from work, and I'm very calm, and I'm just driving, and I'm going onto the highway, and somebody cuts me off. I'm like, okay, let's keep going. Like, like doesn't bother me whatsoever, a single bit. Uh, and then I'm calming somebody, driving somebody else cuts off, almost crashes into me, and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, God, this is weird, and this is awesome. Like, what's going on? Um, today, however, I was driving to work, and I'm driving onto the highway, and there's two lanes merging as you're entering the highway. And I'm just driving, okay, just driving on the right lane and merging onto the left one. Um, and there's car on the side and left, uh, left side. And I see it's about to go and just really just cut me off and go on the side. And I'm like, okay, this guy's weird. He's doing something weird. I'm just going to press some more gas. And I'm just not going to let him through. He's being... Aggressive, I'll be aggressive. And he wasn't. He wasn't. It was, just, it was just my perception. And that moment I caught myself, I'm like, what was that? Why was I justifying my aggression that I was about to do by somebody else's aggression on the road? Why was I judging the person made myself innocent to do the same thing? And this verse just popped up into my mind if we open it together. Um, James 4, James 4.11. So this verse just popped right up. Not speak evil against one another, brother. The one who speaks against the, against the brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not doer of the law, but a judge. There is one who, there is only one lawgiver and a judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Um, so it says, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of the law. So he's saying, how can you judge somebody and put yourself above the law at the same time? How can you? judge another person and put yourself on top of the law and judge yourself to be innocent in that aspect as if the other person's sin justified your 
own sin. Um, and if you read earlier into that chapter as well, like verse 7, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And earlier over here he says, in verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So oftentimes I see what I notice in our lives. We are quick to judge other people and their negatives as if they're doing something bad, even if we don't know their motives. For the only reason, because we are proud ourselves. And we put ourselves above other people. And therefore, whatever they're doing is wrong and whatever we do is right. And that's often seen in a lot of, in the world as well, when people do bad things and they feel like they're justified of what they're doing. Um, and it seems like, to me, it seems like the solution is for us to really help, if we notice it in ourselves, that we are quick to judge other people, if we're quick to notice other people doing something wrong, if we're quick to see people, oh, he did that because of that, oh, he's doing that because he wants to do that, or she did that because she wanted me to feel that, or they did that because of something. So if we're noticing that in ourselves, or what a jerk that person is, then probably there's a problem within ourselves. There's probably a huge log within ourselves that we're not noticing that we're putting ourselves above other people. And to me, it seems in that situation, we really need to come to God, submit to God, let him open ourselves and clean ourselves from that pride and let us be humble and be okay. Driving on the road, if somebody cuts you off, okay, go ahead. Like It doesn't bother you because there is no pride. Um, and if, we, if you guys want to, we can pray so God gives us all understanding and wisdom. It's almost as if you guys know that I'll be asking you guys to stand up for Bible reading. So, great job, yeah, for continuing to stand. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be in today. And Romans' uh, testimony, Romans' word really spoke to me because I had a similar situation today. But I would want to say I probably fell one 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 hundredth of the remorse that Roman felt. Maybe I felt remorse. Maybe actually it wasn't remorse. But I did my thing, and I said, I got to get to places. I got people to see, got things to do. And Roman's word really spoke uh, to me that God is really working on us, especially when it comes to driving. God really works on us while we're driving. So let's, let's, be, let's be very, um, very, uh, close to hear what else God has prepared for us, because God has already been speaking us to us very, very clearly. Unity of the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, 
showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of, capti of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who had descended is he himself who also has ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But, speaking in tr the truth, in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together, but what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So, this is this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, having given themselves over to the sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. That, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are, we, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. But be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Ephesians chapter 4. Praise God, youth. Uh, today I'll be sharing a short word, saying a short word on the topic of friendships and particularly what the Bible says about it. Uh, we all know that when a person comes to Christ, he, he, he 
gets to know Christ, he gives his life to God. Uh, he needs to uh, dedicate his life unto God, and he needs to change. Uh, that person needs to change things in his life, anything from lifestyles to friendships. And I believe for almost every newborn believer, one of the hardest things to do is to, to change or to give up those close friendships that may have a negative impact on our walk with Christ. And I'd like to, all of us to open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verses 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 and 15. And it says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Uh, I like how the, the, this was the NASB, I like how the King James Version uh, says instead of uh, bound, uh, it, where it says uh, bound together, it says unequally yoked. In other words, it's like an extra unnecessary burden. Uh, to translate in everyday terms. And uh, first of all, this verse kind of shows us straight away that why would you take that extra burden? Why would you uh, kind of maybe even jeopardize your relationship with Christ by having that kind of close fellowship with those unbelievers that may be leading you astray? And before I'm going to go on any further, I just want to clarify that the, the friendships and the friends I'm talking about is not those, let's say, when you go to work and you see those coworkers or when you go to college or university and you meet those people, we are actually called as Christians to uh, evangelize and to actually preach to them and to bring them to Christ. Uh, so I'm talking about those friends who were kind of with you there since day one, kind of in the beginning. And they were, they were there before you came to Christ. And then let's say after you came to Christ, they may have been becoming more of a burden for you and something that is causing you to kind of fall away. And... Um, the Bible gives us clear direction to kind of to lead to leave bad company to avoid it, and as it says, can there be a partnership? Can there be this uh, partnership between righteousness, which is kind of the definition of righteousness, like something holy, something uh, unsinful, someone who's not sinning, versus lawlessness, which is pr pretty much the opposite? And there's also well, it then goes on to say, or is there? Uh, or is there the same similarity between light and darkness? Is there any similarity? And the answer is no, because they're exact opposites. And later it says, can there be harmony? Or in other words, peace between Christ and Belial, which is in other words, Satan. And if you pay attention carefully uh, to these two verses, pretty much what it's doing, it's dividing the characteristics of a believer from the characteristics of an unbeliever. Because if you put it all together for a believer, it's kind of showing that he's supposed to live in righteousness, to be the light in the world, and to do this by living like Christ. It's those three categories. And an unbeliever, as you go through it, it kind of states the opposite of what they do. Now, uh, we might just say that, well, uh, we're just best friends with them so that we could bring them to Christ. We're just best friends with them so that we could get them closer. And this may seem like a good thing. It actually, for some, is a good thing, but this could either end one of two ways. Uh, the first way is that you bring that person to Christ, uh, they're saved, they go to church, you say a testimony, and I believe God is rejoicing. But then there's another uh, outcome that can happen, which is kind of instead of you bringing your friend closer to God, you're actually being pulled away close, uh, you're being pulled away from God. You're kind of 
leaving that first love and you're losing your relationship with Christ. And that's why Apostle Paul in Corinthians, he's kind of stating to that church in Corinth, uh, he's telling them, he's warning them to be careful of this. And another passage that I'd like to uh, read is also found in Corinthians, but it's a, a, a chapter, uh, the book before, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's verse 33. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. It's a short verse, but it's, it goes straight to the point. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Um, so no matter, let's say, no matter how good your motives are, no matter how advanced you are morally, you could say, I mean, it'd be kind of prideful to say, but like no matter how advanced you are or how high up you say, it says here, bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, you need to be very careful when you're having association with this bad company because it may be leading you astray. And uh, this also happens to us many times as uh, believers uh, when, let's say, it's time to get married and you find someone who's maybe not in the church, but they're not too bad of a person. And you're kind of talking to the, like the parents are talking, so they're like asking all these questions. And everything checks out until they get to the part, is he a believer? And you may answer them, well, once I marry, like once we get married, I'm a bring him to church on like not even a weekly basis, on a daily basis. We'll be going to church. Uh, they're going to become a Christian right away. Everything's going to go perfectly. And that's what it may seem. And perhaps that might even happen. But there have been, uh, already, there have been stories that I've heard uh, from the past. And there are still stories happening where if this happens, usually the believer either stops visiting church or something happens. And that relationship with God that that believer had it kind of fades away. It kind of uh, goes further out. And a good question to ask is, how do you know uh, the exact opposite won't happen to you? Like, so if you're in that situation where you think you're going to bring him to Christ, how do you know the exact opposite situation won't happen? And we don't know because we just, we honestly just don't know. And I'd like to conclude by saying that the Bible gives us warning and tells us how to live our lives. And the problem is not that. The problem is usually us and us applying what the Bible says because we could hear, we can uh, come to church, we hear these words, we, come, we read the Bible, we hear this, we see this, but it's if we come to that part where we're applying it uh, because for many of us, it's very hard to leave those friends who have been with us ever since we can remember and you're beginning to see that you're trying to hang out with them, you're trying to be the light to them, but you're beginning to see that you're not getting closer to God and in fact, you're just beginning to slowly draw further away. And that's a dangerous, it's a dangerous uh, situation. And that's why Jesus says, are you, uh, in one of the times when he, he was speaking to his disciples, he's like, uh, no one has truly uh, followed me or because they have not left mother and father. And he keeps naming all these people. These are the closest people uh, here on earth who we see. And uh, you need, a few questions to ask is, well, you may have a friend, you're like, well, they're not a bad friend, but they're just, they're not saved. And a few questions to ask is, um, are they, is this person leading you closer to Christ or further away from Christ? Uh, are they obeying the commandments uh, and are they living by their own set of rules, by their own set of like moral rules? Or are they following God's commandments and living by what God says? And do these friends love God or love the world? Because the Bible says we cannot do both. We cannot love the world and love God because loving the world is, it just doesn't go with loving God because you do the things of the world. And I'd like to call that, may God give us all wisdom and may God bless us to be careful of who we get attached to and 
and give us wisdom to end the relationships we need to end because these relationships can bring us further away from Christ and even sometimes lead us to the point of leaving Christ because of a friend or because of a close one. So God bless us and God give us strength and may God bless you all. Amen. Good evening, everyone. It's nice to be here. I took some time because I needed to open my Bible. I got a lot of notes here. Hopefully, I won't take too much time. Um, my name is Mark Anikusko. I'm sure many of you guys know who I am. You've seen me in church. If you have not, um, here I am. Um, I would like to thank Andre for inviting me and um, giving me an opportunity to be here and to share a word with you guys. It's it's a blessing to be here, and um, I'm really actually happy and excited to be here. An interesting fact is that I have not been, been um, here for almost 10 years at the youth service. And do you guys know why? Do you know the reason why? It's because I met the most beautiful girl in the world, love of my life, here in church at youth service too. Um, and since then, since we got married, it's been almost 10 years. We've been married for almost 10 years now. Um, so it's, it's been a blessing. It has been amazing. Um, just a little testimony about marriage is that marriage is awesome. It's amazing. Um, it's the best thing you can experience here on earth. It's a blessing from God. Um, aside from physical, from sexual things, um, there's also other things that you enjoy about each other. You know, having a companion, having a, your best friend, a soulmate, somebody with whom you can um, share your love, share your joy, share your happiness, share your sadness, and just walk together on this journey of life. Just be together and walk towards heaven. It's amazing. Whenever I look at the institution of marriage and how God created it, it's, it's amazing. The way God created it from the very beginning, every single aspect of it, is just, it's, it's amazing. It's great because it gives you a lot of happiness. It gives you a lot of opportunities for growth, for improvement. So at the end, it's great. Um, since we got married, it's been like almost, like I said, almost 10 years, we got involved in um, Young Families Ministry. So the way God led us is that pretty much right after we got married, we got involved in the Young Families Ministry, and we were basically appointed to kind of take over the ministry. So we have been involved there. And um, just to give you a little background, I'm sure you guys see young families being involved in church, and we lead um, Sunday morning services usually once a quarter, and then every evening, once a month, we lead a service. And then we also organize um, events for couples, uh, like romantic dinners, um, other types of events, informational. Um, you know, sometimes we partner with Bible College, we invite speakers, and um, we give good information to married couples. And um, you know, we had we organized camp a couple times, so we, we, we are pretty involved. So once you guys are married, you're all invited. You're all invited to join on families. Um, if you guys are singing and worship group, you guys, by the way, did a beautiful job today. Great songs. Um, if you guys want to join choir, if you guys want to preach, etc., um, there's always room, there's always opportunities. You just have to have an open heart and be willing to serve the Lord. Um, while I was sitting here, I was thinking that, you know, a lot of things have changed in 10 years, right? I mean, you would think 10 years is what? It's a decade, right? Um, there's one major thing that changed. Any of you guys can help me what it is from when I was in youth and what it is now. 
Don't be shy. You can just yell out the answer. Come on, you guys think. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Language changed. Um, you know, before we used to preach and sing in Russian. I mean, we still do in our main service. It's going to half and half. But primarily here, you know, it's all English now. And it does not matter. You know, change, languages change. What matters is that we are marching towards the same goal. It's we are serving the same God. We're serving, serving the same Father. We're going towards the same place. We're all heading towards heaven, right? Ch languages change, but we just need to stay focused on God. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to sanctify ourselves. We need to establish and strengthen our relationship with God. That's what matters. So um, I want to share a topic with, with us today, and um, the topic is going to be called a light to the world. I shared this topic several weeks ago in Bible school, and it's very practical, it's very relevant, and I do want to share it again, uh, specifically for myself, and I, I feel like it's very important and very re relevant for young people. Um, and for that, I want to start reading in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The Bible says that you are the light of the world. Light of the world or light to the world, it does not matter. It primarily speaks about the same thing. We are called. We're the followers of Christ. And Jesus, when he talks about himself in John, Epistle of John, he says that, um, Gospel of John, he says that, I am the light of the world. And if we are his followers, and we are his followers, if you're a member of, uh, of a church, you're a member of Christ's body, you are called to be the light of the world. God, although Jesus was here on earth, he left. He left us with the Holy Spirit, and he empowers each one of us to be the light. He's not here physically with us, but he empowered each one of us, his followers, to be the light of the world. It says that a city that sits on the hill cannot be hidden. You know, it's, it's like when you, when you light a lamp, or if when you light a lamp, for example, here, nobody puts it somewhere, you know, under a carpet or somewhere here. We always put it up on top, right? Same thing in your house. When you have a light, you try to put it somewhere further up so that it illuminates the light, so it lightens up the whole room. It's the same concept here with us Christians. We are called to be the light. We are called to be that city that stands on the hill. And it's not um, encouraging us to be that city on the hill. It tells us that's a fact. A city that stands on the hill cannot be hidden. So whether you want it or not, you are a light. You are that city, whether you want it or not. In your school, in your uh, work, wherever you are, you are that person upon whom everybody looks, whether you want it or not. Whether you're going to be glorifying the name of God and you're going to be uh, making people uh, glorifying His name or you're going to be blaspheming the name of God through your actions, through your words, or the way you act around people. I see a lot of, a lot of Christians... Uh, where they are putting a blame on Christianity just by the way they act, by the way they behave, or by the way they do certain things. And when the world looks at them, they say, you know, if, 
Christians are like this, I don't want to be a Christian. If Christians behave this way or Christians do these things, I do not want to be a Christian. So the Bible calls us to be the light. We are that light. We are that city on the hill, whether you want it or not. The question is, how much light are you illuminating? How much light for Jesus are you producing? How much light are you showing to people that are watching you? And even if you think they're not, they are. People are observing you. People are watching you. They are uh, watching and judging you, and they're testing you. You know, uh, a brother before me, he was sharing very, very similar, similar topic. He was saying not to, well, there's nothing common between light and, uh, and darkness, right? Mark, I think your name is, right? Uh, by the way, I like your name. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's what exactly what it is. We cannot combine lightness with darkness. It's either you're one of them or you're not. There is no gray zone. You know, for us in America, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, it's a, a tough time in a way that we live in this gray zone where you can kind of blend in with everyone, right? You can kind of be part of the bad group and in a way to be somewhat of a Christian. Back in the Soviet times, you know, parents tell us all the time, it's like, it's either you're Christian or not. You cannot blend. You can't be in the gray. It's either you're with them or you're not with them. So to some extent, it was kind of an easier way to live, you know? But for us, it's difficult. So my question to all of us is, what kind of light are you illuminating? What are you producing? What are you showing to people that, are, um, that surround you? So the light of this world, if I can illustrate this a little bit. Um, you know, we have many churches in our city, right? And there's probably, I don't know, hundreds of churches in our states, maybe thousands of churches in the United States. And then if you go move on further in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, everywhere, there's probably hundreds of churches on this earth. And if you were just kind of depart yourself and look at the, at the sphere of the world, each church represents a light. And then if you were to look at it, you would be able to see the whole world is being, you know, lit or on fire. And it creates this web of light. It's all of these churches, all of these true followers of Christ, if they are, they represent this light of Christ. So if you were to take the whole church away from this world, the world will go into complete darkness. Each one of us illuminates light. Our churches illuminate light. If you take the church away, the world can no longer exist. That's why Bible tells us that you are the light of this world. It's like the sun is light to the earth. You take the sun away, the earth is going to be dark. You take the church away, the earth is going to be dark. And each church composes of what? Of who? Of each one of us, right? The members of Christ. So we are responsible to produce that light, to generate that light. Philippians uh, chapter 2 verse 14 says that, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in this world. The generation that we live in, the generation that our forefathers lived in, it was always crooked and perverse. If you just open the news feed, if you just look at your social media accounts, there is so much negative news. There is so much darkness in this world. You always hear about, you know, all these shootings at school, somebody got killed, somebody got murdered, people commit suicide, there is drug abuse, there is family abuse, there is people who... Uh, die of addictions, there is pornography issues, 
families are destroyed because of that. I mean, it's just filled with evil. It's just filled with, um, with filth. And I don't know what percentage is. I mean, there is some good news, but primarily there is a lot of negative news out there. So what does that tell us? It tells us, and the Bible calls us to be that light, to show the world, to show people among whom we are placed, show them the true identity of Christ. Show them the true happiness of humanity. Show them the true light of Christ, how to live, how to be happy, how to be joyful. This, is, this responsibility lays upon each one of us. You are all go to school or work or whatever you do, and you are placed there strategically. You're not placed there just to create a name for yourself. You're not placed there just to um, become famous or rich, but you are placed there to glorify the name of God. You are placed there to show people who surround you that you are different. You're not one of them. Although, although you are with them, you're not one of them. But if you are one of them, then that's something that you need to question yourself then you need to ask yourself, am I actually illuminating the light of God? Am I actually being the true light that God calls me to be? Light is something that we need, and we cannot live or function without it. What is light? It's basically the opposite of darkness. You know, some people are trying to figure out what is light. I don't know what to do. I don't know uh, how to be light. You just basically look at darkness, and it's the opposite of that. Look at evil, it's the opposite of that. It's pretty simple. It's not much to figure out. But light is something that we all live, we live with and we, can we cannot live without. So if you look in, you know, many, um, probably thousands of years ago when there was no light inside of the house where people would use um, oil lamps or things of that nature, you know, at that time they couldn't really do a lot of things because uh, they were limited. You know, from sunrise to sunset they could go work in their fields, they could do certain things outside, but then once the sun sets, they go inside of the house, um, they might have some oil lamp or some kind of light, they can't do much. Now, we have stores, we have factories that operate 24-7, it's because we have light, it gives humanity a lot of opportunities to, uh, you know, to generate income, to generate revenue, to move on with life, to do certain things, you know, for us, it's a great benefit as well. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, we were sitting in our house. It was probably closer to nine or so, and all of a sudden, our lights shut off. And, you know, our kids got scared, and so we lit up some light, because we typically don't lose power in our house. Um, so we lit up some candles, and we're just, you know, sitting there talking to them, and then it's like getting late, so I'm like, all right, let's put him, let's put him to bed. Let's, let's, you know, take him, well, let's go to bed earlier ourselves. And um, we got them organized, we put them to bed, and, um, you know, the moment that um, I'm about to step away, kiss them goodnight, and, you know, just go and lay myself, uh, or go to bed myself, they turned the light on, you know, and obviously the this kids started screaming, they started yelling because it's exciting for them, but, you know, they were ready to go to bed, so they, we still put them down. Uh, but it just, you know, it shows you an importance that you cannot function or you cannot live without light, you know, and... You know, kids were telling us, okay, maybe we can, um, you know, we don't have light. Maybe we can watch some cartoons or something. And, you know, they don't understand that there is no electricity, you know. We have a phone that's charged, but you need it 
if you have an alarm, you need to have the battery saved because you don't know how long your light is going to be off. So it just basically shows the necessity and the need for light. And to uh, make the parallel is that each one of us called to be light. Each one of us is needed for the kingdom of God. Each one of us needs to show that light to, uh, to, to the place where you're, you're placed, in the area where you're placed, to illuminate that God, uh, illuminate that light and show that light to the world. Um, if any of you guys have flew in the airplane, you can relate to what I'm going to illustrate here. If you, um, you know, whenever the plane takes off or uh, whenever it descends, uh, and if you, especially in the evening, if you look out the window of the airplane, you can see uh, that uh, there is a lot of light in the area where uh, there's the center of the city, right? You can see there's a lot of light. You can understand that's probably a downtown or a city center. And then as you um, fly further away from it, you can see that um, the parameter of the city is actually, there's less light as you move out further. And the reason for that is because people don't live there. People primarily kind of congregate and, and, and gather together, you know, towards the city of the center and then maybe some of the surrounding suburbs, surrounding areas. So, in a way, God looks at us, you know, he looks at the earth, he looks at the city that you live in, he looks at the neighborhood that you live in, he looks at um, the college that you go to, he looks at the school that you go to, he looks at the workplace that you go to and he sees you there amongst maybe five people, amongst maybe, you know, 10, 20 people. And um, he sees you as a light, and he wants you to be that light. He doesn't want you to uh, be part of them, but he wants you to actually show them what um, Christianity is about, what God is about, to show his love. Um, you know, at home I get to change light bulbs from time to time. Um, we're blessed to have these LED lights. You know, if you put them in, you might be good for many years, but... Sometimes there are these older light bulbs, you have to change them. And, um, you know, one time I was changing a light bulb and it was probably like 60 watt and I put in 90, I think. And I thought 60 watt was pretty, pretty good, pretty powerful and, until I put 90 watt in there. And then I realized, you know, wow, this is actually, you know, I can actually see much better. Um, you know, some of us sitting here, we might be um, producing only 20 watts of light. Some of us may be 60 some of us 90, some of us even, you know, 120 or, you know, those huge and powerful light bulbs we have in the bathroom. I think, sisters, you know what I'm talking about, right? So you can see all those pimples on your face. Maybe some brothers too. But, um, you know, it's, it's powerful, you know? We need to be that light. We need to be able to reveal the darkness of this world. Because if you're just some a weak uh, light, you're not, you're not being able to reveal anything. You're, you're not being able to show people the love of Christ. You're not being able to show them what they need to repent of, their sins, or the, the ways they walk in possibly are not correct, possibly are not right. And you guys know what I'm talking about. This world is like, it's filled with filth, you know? Um, if I can relate to young people, you know, what do young people do? Um, there is a lot of problems with with addictions right with um, alcohol with drugs with sexual addictions you know sex before marriage um, dating a lot of people breaking people's hearts things of that nature you know if you are um, following that path you need to um, check yourself you need to check your heart you need to uh, see how you are 
um, related to God and how God looks at you from, from that area. You know, there's a lot of uh, things that people do on social media where they would, you know, gossip about each other and they would uh, create fake stories about people. And I've heard of that too, which is not right, which is not correct. You're not being the light. You're not showing the light. But on the contrary, you are um, getting closer to that darkness yourself. Amongst um, multiple things, practical things, which um, Bible calls us to be, or things that we can do practically to uh, show the light to this world, I'm going to name some of them, but I'm going to only concentrate on one of them. So one of them is, um, how, how, how can you be the light to this world? It's your attitude. It's your behavior. It's who you are. It's how you react to things when you are in surrounding of your friends. Another one is the worldly things, things of this world. Like how do you dress? What do you wear? What do you watch? What do you listen to? Another one is your expressions. Are you grateful? Are you happy? Are you showing people that you are truly a Christian who loves, loves God and who has eternal blessings and eternity that you're going to be spending with God? Or are you one of those gloomy people who, are, who is always depressed? But one of them that I do want to kind of concentrate on is um, our mouth. What do we say? What do we speak? Who here knows uh, the third commandment? How many commandments are there? Ten. That's easy. Who knows the third commandment? I'm sure, I'm sure people, you guys know. Okay, the third commandment goes like this. Exodus 27. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And I'm sure many of us are guilty of breaking this commandment. We, especially, you know, younger generation, and I've also seen older people do this, uh, but we take name of the Lord in vain, and I will tell you what these words are. Imagine if somebody would um, call you by your name all the time, and then you would not respond. For example, um, who can I pick on? Oleg, I know you. I can pick on you. Okay, so how would you feel if I would always be like, Oleg, oh my Oleg, oh what Oleg, oh come on Oleg. It's like, how would you feel? It's like your name is being called, but there is no conversation, there is no response. I'm sure you probably wouldn't feel comfortable, right? Yeah, there you go. Well, God does not ignore us necessarily, although he does. He's a being, and he has feelings. He doesn't want us to use his name in vain. That's what he says in his Bible, right? In the scripture, it says not to use the name of the Lord in vain. So I will give you a couple examples what particularly younger generation uses a lot of times. And I don't know why, but I was thinking about it. I was thinking about this, and I think it particularly relates to sisters. Um, I mean, maybe some brothers use it too, but people say, oh, my gosh. Basically, what it means is it means, oh, my God, or OMG, you know. If you text OMG, it does not negate the fact that OMG stands for, oh, my God, or oh, my gosh, essentially the same thing. So if you are doing this, please stop. Please work on yourself. 
don't use this. The Bible tells us we should not be using the name of the Lord in vain. You know, there's other things that uh, we say sometimes or uh, people might say that what might be, we might be okay with is, you know, what the heck basically means what the hell, you know, or darn it means damn it, you know. Forgive me for saying it, but, you know, I had to, I had to say it. And, you know, these are, the, these are the, like, some of the standing out words out there that, you know, I hear people use. There's a lot of many other words that, you know, maybe older generation uses or people of, uh, in, you know, different ethnic groups they use. And these are all dirty words. These are all words that um, are, um, they're not sanctifying us, but they're actually making us, um, um, you know, hurt God because he said not to use his name in vain. And also uh, Ephesians chapter 4.29 says, let no corrupt word proceed of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. The word corrupt, I looked at in many other translations, it actually means unwholesome, filthy talk, full language, and dirty talk. Um, James, in his chapter 3, uh, talks about our tongue. He says that it's the fire. It's the world of iniquity. It defiles the whole body. It sets on fire by hell. It's unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. Are you guys following me? Our tongue is very poisonous. So we have to be really careful what we say. Uh, because we can bless a person with our tongue or we can kill them with what we say. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, you post something on social media about a person that you don't know. If that actually happened to them, you're spreading gospel. You're, rip, you're ruining the reputation of that person. You know, you might feel good because you started some kind of story, but that's gossip. That's a sin. You need to stop doing that. You need to repent. And be actually the light that God calls you to be. Don't say dirty jokes. You know, bully someone with your, with your words. Just be aware of what you say. Matthew chapter 12 um, tells us that, chapter 12 verse 34, it tells us, For the mouth speaks out of that, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out the good treasure what is good and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil so basically your mouth is your messenger when you say certain things really the problem is not your mouth the problem is your heart so if you have problem with your mouth check your heart because that's where it comes out from so there's something wrong with your heart then you know check your heart if it's not right repent before god and seek his face, ask for repentance, change your life so your heart is right with God. So I'm going to ask you a question that um, we have been, you know, talking about today. Are you glorifying God with your mouth? What comes out of it? Does it bring blessing or curse to other people? You know, go against the, the current. Go against the culture. Be different. I know it's not easy. I've been in high school. I've been there. You know, some of you guys might be a little bit more influential than the others. But go against the current. Go against those people and show them the true meaning of light. And where are you going to get that light? Where are you going to recharge? You're going to recharge on your knees in your secret closet with the God alone reading and studying his word and praying to him. It's interesting because I was casually interested myself on average, how long does it take an iPhone to charge? 
Do any of you guys know? So on average, it takes about two hours or so. I mean, it all depends on what kind of phone you have or how much battery you have left. But say, on average, it takes about two hours to charge. So it's a very interesting parallel here, right? In order for you to charge, in order for you to illuminate the 120 watt of power into this world, you need to spend two hours charging with the Lord, studying His Word on your knees. You know, whether you're driving to school, you know, you got half an hour, 40 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever. Don't waste that time listening to some music. Listen to the Word of God. Pray to Him. Whenever you come home in the evening or get up early in the morning, seek His face. Recharge. He will bless your life. He will give you the strength to stand up against this world. He will give you the strength to go against the current because that's the only way. Otherwise, we're all, we're all powerless. We don't have power. This world offers a lot of physical pleasures. This world that we live in and the culture that we live in, it's all, it's all about me. It's self-centered. It's all about making myself happy. But the God and the scripture calls us to be people who would serve others, people who would make others people, other people happy, who are willing to go an extra mile for somebody else, to go and pray with your brother, pray with your sister. If they're sick or if they're ill or if, if they need some kind of assistance or help, Go and help them. Go and serve them. So that's what I'm calling all of us today is to be that light. This Sunday, if you guys, if I can find, there it is. Do any of you guys read these uh, Sunday morning newsletters? Yeah, not a lot of people. I encourage you guys to read this. There's a lot of good information here. Not only will you be able to follow what's going on in church event-wise, there's also some really good um, thoughts here. So Nikolai Dorokhov actually wrote this very good, um, I don't know what, what it's called. It's, it's just a little article, I guess, um, about salt. You know, salt and light are very close to each other. And he said these couple things, which I want to read to you. People will not say bad words when you are present. You will influence them, not the opposite. Where you are living or visiting, there will be a result for sure. Through your behavior, people will come to God. That's being a salt or being the light to the world. When you are being the light to the world, that's what God causes to be. You are displayed on that pedestal. You are that person... It's like you go to a museum and you see a nice painting which is covered in glass and you can't touch. You are going to be that person. Whether you want it or not, we're all displayed. It's just how are we showing people who we are? Are we showing them the light of Christ? Are we showing them the love of Jesus? Are we showing them um, that they are in sin and they need repentance? Are we showing them that through our behavior and through our action and through our words, our words particularly? You know, like Isaiah the prophet, he says that um, the angel took the hot coals and he touched his lips and he sanctified him. He sanctifies his mouth. He sanctified him of his iniquities. So I am um, challenging you guys today, if you, to check your heart, to check your standing before Jesus. If you feel that you have been using his name in vain, or if you have been using some unwholesome or dirty or, or filthy words, go ahead and repent of that and change. 
It's not going to happen overnight, but if you're consistently thinking about it, it will change. And, you know, fill your heart with, with goodness. Fill your heart with Jesus. Fill your heart with him and share, share the love of Jesus to people whenever you are. Tell them through your actions. Tell them through your deeds. And also use your words as well. There is this um, quote, a popular quote that goes like that. Stand for what, you, for what is right, even if, even if it means standing alone. But I'm going to tell you that you're not alone because Christ is with you. Christ is with us. He's the one who gives us power. He's the one who, is, who, is, who can give us and who can light us on fire so we can serve him and so we can be that light that can illuminate in this dark and evil world. So let's all kneel down before Jesus, or do you guys just stand up? Let's kneel down and let's pray to God.